0: Hello and welcome to Pie Hard, the podcast that unearths the underground stories, strange beauty and offbeat culture of the Collingwood Football Club and beyond. This is part two of our 2010 retrospective. In the last episode, we broke down the shrewd moves the club made both in the boardroom and at the selection table that laid the foundations for the team's ultimate success. In part two, we're going straight to the source to get the inside word from the man who was at the center of it all. He's a Pie Hard cult favorite. A premiership pie, and he joins us on the show today. I'm Damien Miller, with me is Alex Watkins. This
1: is Pie Hard. Looking at Collingwood today, it's hard to imagine that this was one of the toughest suburbs in Melbourne. I have a magpie tattooed in a certain spot. I wouldn't say it's the biggest magpie getting around. Yeah, out of control brawl outside a Collingwood pub. Sixty years ago, it was lined with boot factories. As
2: gritty, grotty suburbs in prime locations turned into trendy
1: hotspots.
0: Quad's had five bounces, nearly get
1: another one. He's the smartest guy on the team. You don't have too many to pick from. You've got to go back to Billy Graham at the MCG for an American to dominate like this.
0: The bubble's bursting three decades of grand final wobbles. I still can't believe it. I okay. can. Oh.
1: A weekend order by the club of 288,000 cans to be consumed. More comfortable in the surf. It's as close as you'll get to greatness, you peanut up.
0: Selected by Collingwood with pick number 62 in the 1999 AFL draft, he went on to carve out a distinguished 235-game career with the Magpies. He's a member of the victorious 2011 NAB Cup team, the winner of the 2006 Anzac Day medal, and the recipient of a lifetime ban from the Lower Plenty Hotel. He's a founding member, and some would argue the leader of the infamous group of Collingwood Hellraisers dubbed by the media as the Rat Pack. He's a cult hero, a football maverick, the first guy picked for the off-season trip, a mentor, a leader, and by most accounts, one of the best to have a beverage with. Of course, we can only be talking about Ben Johnson. It's an honor and a privilege to have him join us on the pod. Ben, welcome. And thanks for joining us.
2: How you going, boys?
0: Feeling pretty good. That
2: was a nice uh, that 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 was a nice intro. Thanks for that.
0: <laughs> did I miss anything? <laughs>
2: I was tuning in. Yeah.
0: Well, let's get straight into it. You grew up following the Pies. Um, who did you enjoy watching the most, and how did it feel to debut in Round One, two thousand, alongside your heroes Andrew Yukovic and Mark Orchard?
2: <laughs> Legends, um, you care, um He's on our group message. Um, we've got blokes that we played with for you know a short time, a long time, and in this group message, you got Chrissy Tarrant, um, Alan Didak, Swanee, Scotty Cummings, Licker, Yuka, um, Benny Kinnear, and um, Heath Scotland. So he's um, yeah, he's, he's he's one of the good ones, mate. He's a legend.
1: A distinguished group. What is the uh, group message thread called, Ben?
2: Um, Oh, I can't really say. <laughs>
0: <laughs>
2: Excellent, so that's top secret, mate. It's top secret.
0: We love it. A question: Do you think being a passionate Collingwood supporter made your experience as a player different from other players? Was it a, was it a hindrance or was it a? Um,
2: it wasn't hindrance. Um, I, I suppose it uh, made it better. To be honest, you know, I thought I actually thought I was um, going to Carlton. Um, oh, played geez. a few reserves games for them. Wow. You know, in the under in the under eighteen, they you get topped up. I've actually played for Richmond and Carlton, um, and I knew and I thought Carlton were pretty keen, but they uh, they let me go. And um, when Collingwood read out, it was mate, it was a dream come true. It was perfect. Well, I did have um, I only had one interview with Collingwood, um, and that was before Mick got to the club. So as Mick got to the club, basically I came as well, so I didn't even have an interview with him. I think it was Noel Judkins um, got me over the line, I'm pretty sure.
0: Mm. Noel Judkins, interesting. Well, we're going to get into Mick a little bit later on. Do you still watch um, the footy? Do you still follow the pies?
2: Yeah, I, I go to most games. Um, these days, basically, mate, um, having a few beers, you know, sitting down, having a meal at the president's function. So oh, yeah. it's. Uh, I love it. I, do, I really do. I rarely um, I miss a game. Um, you know, I love watching the boys. I'll, I'll always watch it.
1: How does it work for a kind of legend and premiership player of the club in terms of getting access to the G and the functions? And is it is it just kind of a, a cake walk?
2: Um so basically, because I'm a life member, so you get um, two seats basically for every home game and away game. So you know you can you really you can go to any game you want. Mm. Yeah, it's great.
1: So, um. Look, it's a weird time, as, uh, as we all know, very strange time globally, Ben, and um, we've been looking at the news at uh, current players in isolation. Um, look, they're only allowed to train with one other player, and it kind of yeah. took us back a few years back to a famous off-season that you spent with a young Dane Swan. Um, no, I don't mean the one at Revolver. It's the, the one kind of around two thousand and three, two thousand and four. <laughs> oh, we
2: probably we probably spent more time in Revolver than in the, on the track. That's for sure.
1: So you you were kind of you know ahead of the curve with the one on one training. What was the impetus behind that that off season with Dane?
2: Um, I suppose that was. I think I'm pretty sure that was the year that um, you know Dane got a, in a bit of trouble off the field. Um, I don't he hadn't played many senior games if any and um he basically, you know, was almost gonna get sacked. So, you know, I think um Mick saved him in the end. And um I was obviously really good mates with Dane at the time. And I was always you know, you talk about having fun off the field, but when it comes to training, that that was never questioned, yeah you always go into pre-season, you always be fit.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: And um, so I took Swanee along with me and basically just got him really fit, mate, and um, I suppose showed him the way on how you had to rock up first day of pre-season. And, he just, and that's all day needed. It was a little bit of a a kick in the bum, and um, and he, and he respond, obviously responded really well. Taz got him in the gym. And, um, yeah, so... Basically, me, me and Taz created Dane. He'd be shit without her.
1: <laughs> the rest is history. You're you're kind of a, um, a stalwart of the team by that stage, Ben. But what was it that you saw in Dane? I mean, could you have predicted early just how good he'd become?
2: Uh, no, not at all. Um, I, I knew he could play a bit, but I, I obviously would never have imagined he'd do what he did. But that, that was just because I loved the guy. Um, had nothing to do with what I thought if he could play, and I just wanted to give him the best opportunity to have a career. And and obviously he, um, deep down he had all this talent that we really never knew. He could always play, like he always found the footy, and but he just he just never put it together. And I think um, once his work rate lifted, you know, obviously he's a beast.
1: Absolutely. Are there any players, current Collingwood players today? You think um, you know could do with a lift in work rate? Maybe a rigorous Johnson Swan off season um, to take their game to the next level.
2: Ah, oh, mate, I'm not. I'm not too sure. It's it's hard to when you, when you're on the outside. Like obviously, I still speak to a lot of the boys. Me and um, me and Geordie the guy, actually, in a bit of business together, and and he's one of the guys that I say, you know, mate, just like you really gotta knuckle down and work hard, and, I, and he is. So you think you know, and he's obviously a natural talent. So if he if he can put that work rate together, he, he'll do things like that, no doubt.
1: Yeah, he's just just a massively exciting prospect.
2: He's a great kid. He's, he's smart. He um, he gets it. So mm. he, I think he, he'll be really good.
0: What's the uh, business, Ben? What are you guys cooking up?
2: Uh, we're a partner in um, a commercial cleaning business.
0: Oh,
1: right. keeps keeps Cleaning. Very nice. Get, on, so, get online, listeners. Look it up. Yeah, yeah look
0: need, it up. We do need a sponsor of uh, um, it.
2: Uh, I'll just update all my LinkedIn, so if anyone wants to jump on, they can.
1: Very good. Good stuff. So moving on, are there any current players in the Collingwood list who you think would be suitable for admission to the Rat Pack? Was Dale Thomas ever really a member of the Rat Pack? Does the Rat Pack have separate reunions? And how sick are you of being asked questions about the Rat Pack?
2: Oh, mate, it, it, we see how it is. It's, it's a bit of fun. We were um, we were pretty loose in the day. I think it, it all it all started. I think originally it was me, Swanee, Dids, and um, Heat Shaw. Um, and then you got you know like guys getting thrown onto it. You know, years later, mm. um, Taz, like Chris, Tarr- Chris, Tarr- Chris, Darren Tarr- Tarr- was probably the loosest guy ever played with in his younger days. He was a madman. <laughs> so he, he, he's, he's definitely in it.
1: And what happened to him in Fremantle? I mean, was he recognisable when he come back? Because as you said, he, he started off like a bit of a loose unit.
2: Yeah, he just had, he just had, um. Like he was definitely a loose unit and he had some really good years like in them early um grand final years, mate. He was, he was a freak. He just lost his way a little bit. Um, I think going to Perth, probably the best thing for him, you know, he, Went over there with his missus, it was just them two. He matured a lot and, um, you know, come back and, you know, it was basically a real professional.
1: Do you boys all um, catch up regularly still today? Yeah, no, we're very close.
2: Yeah, very, very close. We still have a really good time, eh? Except these days we don't really have to hide what we do or, or tell any little kids. <laughs> Maybe only to the girls. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Absolutely. So several clubs have tried to uh create their own rat packs um in recent times, Ben, with varying degrees yeah. of success. What what's your advice to uh young AFL players looking to follow in your footsteps?
2: Um, oh, probably don't. Don't honestly, because <laughs> uh, Leave it We' we're we we're, we're really good at not getting caught. Um <laughs> I reckon we got caught five percent of the time. Like if they had known the full truth, you know, we would have been in a lot of trouble. But um, obviously, these days, it's a lot harder to get away with. I'd say, um, you know, don't. Uh, Do
0: you reckon? Do you reckon there's a chance we could get a book on the uh, other ninety five percent? Maybe.
2: Oh mate, I doubt it. We we wouldn't be able to to print print like ninety percent of that.
0: So you joined, you know, you joined the AFL ranks in your first year was two thousand, right? You were drafted in ninety nine. Yeah. Um, how did the uh, how did the culture how did the off field culture change from those first years right through to your your final year with a club? I mean, obviously it was significant. You you're a player that kind of ushered in the professional era.
2: Oh mate, it was massive. That's yeah. So that that's that sort of um, I suppose an excuse for the Rat Pack. So we started playing footy, I was 2000, Taz was, what, 98, I think, Dids was 2001, Swanee was, I think, 2002, so in them days, it was normal to play, play a game, and, after that game, you'd all be in nightclubs, you'd go out, you'd be, you know, drinking, having a good time, sometimes you'd rock up, to Sunday morning recovery, and, that that was normal, like, all you do, you chat about your night, have a laugh with the boys, and it was literally that's what every club was doing. So that's how we started, and that's that's sort of how we got brought up. Yeah, and I think I think it all changed probably I don't know around two thousand and six seven. You know, it, it gradually got you know a, a bit tamer, mm. but it, you know it sort of really turned professional about two thousand six seven, I think. And we couldn't. We didn't get that. So like, now this is a game of footy. You know, you play with your mates. You go out and play footy. You train your ass off. You play footy, and then you have a good time. Like we, none of us had kids. We're, we're young guys just having fun, mate. And um, that's that's what I think's lost in footy these days. Yeah.
0: Mm. Well, you were, do- you were doing what the rest of – what everyone else was doing, what every other young kid was exactly, doing at the
2: time. Exactly, exactly.
0: Uh, was there a moment where it kind of dawned on you that things had changed or was it a gradual – like was there just more and more rigour, more expectation, a little bit stricter? Or was there one thing? Was there a test or was nah, there
2: nah, – No, nah, nah, not not really. I think um, I remember after 06, 07, you know, I started to myself personally you know, lost a little bit of interest with footy, and then uh, 2008 was just a sh- real shit year for me. Um, you know, outside of footy, everything I was okay, everything was fine, but just I just got a little bit bored with footy, and um, I suppose what what got me back on track at the end of that year, Mick, um, he basically pulled me into his office at the end of the year, and and I had a real shit year, mm-hmm. and um, and I really didn't want to play, and I couldn't be bothered. And, you know, mixed talk and me And um, I basically said, oh, trade me if you want. And he goes, stop feeling sorry for yourself, you weak prick. Mm-hmm. Like, looked me right in the eye and said that. And um, literally, mate, like I went for a whole year and a half of, you know, really didn't care a whole lot. All it took was them words and him looking in me eye and then me having a look at myself and going, oh, geez, he's right. I was, I was being a soft car. And um, really, that that's when I started to go. Oh, I'm going to have a crack at this. Getting older, want to win a premiership, and um, yeah, that's
1: about it. Was that one of Mick's qualities that he was able to kind of identify when just the right words at the right time for the right player?
2: Yeah, he was uh, he was brilliant. You know, the guys um, the guy was a freak. He used to smash me around. Well, I think. Um, me me, he, Shaw, sure, Swanee, Geez, he used to give it to us in front of the group because he knew we could take it.
1: <laughs> what's an what's an example?
2: Ah, oh, mate, I just I think when you wanna just uh spray the group, you just pick out something that we did and um just use that. <laughs> and then um go on from there and he'd just go on his little rant and get it off his chest and he's good to go.
0: It's really interesting. We've, we've just watched um, in the last dance where Dennis Rodman's eccentricities were accepted because of what he was able to contribute on the court. Um, sounds like there's really clear parallels there with what um, with, with the Collingwood side you played with um, under Mick Malthouse. Did, did Mick share the same philosophy as Phil Jackson?
2: He did. Um, I, I've obviously watched that and it's, it's fantastic. Um, but we, we had a very open um, conversation with Mick about everything you know he, he he knew us really well and you know he knew he knew we'd come from the background we did where you know footy was more fun but um and he, he goes boys I remember once uh, he said to me he goes mate just go out for a go out for a beer and he goes just don't take the others we go <laughs> so you know yeah. few of us we go out for a beer and have that release which you know we needed that and um. That's that's a, that's a good, good man management that was. He was just smart. And he, and he, and he, and he, and then giving us that freedom. Well right? the so Monday morning no one would train harder. Come in and everything was just full on hard hard work and that's and that's what it was the whole time. Obviously, um you know, we party hard but we, we played a lot harder too.
0: Yeah, I bet. Mm. Uh, we've got one more question before we move on from the wrap Pack and we'll talk about other subjects. Which late night pub brawl with Chris Tarrant was your favorite? Was it 03 or 06?
2: <laughs> oh, shit. So this is, this is, this, well, I'll tell you what, 06 cost me a lot of money.
1: <laughs> Five grand.
2: I remember Mick, uh, Oh, more than that. So I would have to oh. pay someone else as well. Oh. I got, I got, I got a, I got a few. I've got a few good ones in so I
0: remember,
2: I remember clear Allegedly. as day. Mick, Mick yeah, literally, yeah. Mick said after the game, he goes, uh, "Are on anyone going out?" And I, I look at Taz and I go, "Geez, we got we got our good mate's birthday." <laughs> and um, and I go, "Oh, we, we have to go." So we will just keep it quiet. So we went out, and I think it was about three in the morning. Taz, I think he went to leave. I was still in the nightclub, and someone runs in and says, Uh, oh, Taz is Taz is in a big fight. So, of course, I had to go out there, and, um, you know, he's fighting like three guys, and I don't know how it started or why, but obviously I got involved, and um, basically, I lost to Copeland by about <laughs> two votes that year, and I didn't get a vote after that round. That was round 16. Oh, oh, oh.
1: Oh, rigged. <laughs>
2: We weren't allowed to... Um, famous last
0: words. We'll just have a quiet we were,
2: Yeah, We weren't allowed to um, even like go speak to Nick or look at him for a whole week. He was that angry at us. <laughs> and, um, and then when we went into his office a week later, oh, mate, it was shit scary. Jeez. And he basically went off his tits.
1: Breaking news on Pie Hard that... Ben yeah. e. Johnson was the rightful winner of the Copeland, but it um, yeah. was really no, and, it.
2: And, and, and did beat me that year too, the arsehole, so <laughs> I let him know about it. And it cost me about 30k in the end as well.
0: Cheers.
1: Well, it's funny, Ben, you talk about um, you know, some of those moments where, which were uh, probably looked down upon by um, certain senior people at the club, but we've uh, got it on good authority. In fact, I think it was mentioned by Nathan Buckley and Anthony Rocker. At at one stage, that you're a smoky for the captaincy, was that something that um, you had ambitions, uh, you know, to to be a captain?
2: Oh, it's funny. You know, as I said before, you know that going in that oh seven oh eight years, I would just really lost lost my edge. And oh um, in 06, I was one of the vice captains, and um, it was looking likely, but then that fight happened. You know, um, yeah, so. It was never Tapper, mate. Um, mm. oh, no, no doubt I, I probably could have. Um, we all, in that, in, in that group, there were so many episodes of a lot of leadership qualities. But um, obviously, in the, in the end, the right thing happened. And thank God we got, um, we got Maxie because no doubt he's, he's the best captain I've ever played under.
1: Is that right? So, what was it about Maxie that um, kind of made him perfect for that time? And what was his what was his style exactly?
2: His style was um, oh mate, perfect. How do you explain it? Like he knew he was a bit like Mick, so he knew everyone had a different personality, and he knew exactly what players needed, what players wanted, what made them tick, what made them didn't. So he's just he was just understanding. He's just a good bloke. He's a mate. He got he got along with all different personalities, um, and he led accordingly. And um, he, he was he was perfect, even when he was playing shit footy. You know, I I just loved having him next to me out there. You know, he's um, you just felt more comfortable with him out there.
0: Do you think Maxwell will um will move into a, a coaching role eventually? Um, I don't think so. I think he,
2: he'd be more suited to a like a jam, the footy, okay. for like a Walshy mm. sort of role. Mm. Yeah. So hopefully, I, I'm I'm praying that when Walshy leaves. And I think um, Walshie was planning on retiring at the end of this year, but I think he might go again now. He, he can't retire like that. Mm. Um, after that, I'd love Maxie to,
1: you know, take that on. He'd
0: be perfect. Could be a bit of a succession planning there with Walshie.
1: Another how exclusive. Get get Maxie back at the top. Yeah, get Maxie there. Mind
2: you, he's, um, and he's learning from the best. You know, Walshie, Walshie's amazing. And um, Neil Barn was amazing as well, mate. They're the, the, probably perfect footy managers then too.
0: Okay, well, fantastic insight. We're we're going to play a quick clip. Um, We're going to take you back to 2006. We're going to queue this up and then we'll have a quick chat afterwards. Joining me is the
2: President of the Victorian RSL Vietnam Veteran Major General David McLaughlin to present the Anzac Day medal to the player whose conduct and play during the game best exemplifies the Anzac spirit of skill courage and adversity, self-sacrifice, teamwork and fair play. Major General McLaughlin, would you like to announce the winner of the medal here today? Well,
1: ladies and gentlemen, the Anzac Day Medal for 1991, uh, for the 91st anniversary in 2006, is Craig Johnson from Collingwood.
0: So, Ben, you made AFL history by becoming the only player to win the 1991 Anzac Day medal in 2006 <laughs> under the pseudonym of Craig Johnson. The question is, <laughs> explain what it meant to Craig to be recognised in this fashion.
2: <laughs> oh, mate, the boys love that. They really did. They, they had a field day with that. Um, oh, I, suppose, I suppose when he said it, I, I knew it was maybe, you know, when you're playing, you, you know every player on the field. And um and I killed him that day, so I thought who else could have wasn't one of the runners.
0: No, I think I think Anzac Day can be excused for having a few pots before you uh step up on the podium.
2: Oh mate, the, the boys loved it, they, Even even did, today, you know, people call me Craig.
0: <laughs> yeah, I bet. <laughs> I bet you love it. Uh did did you get nervous on those big occasions?
2: Oh mate, I got I did. Um Anzac Day and grand finals and Prelim, you, you don't get any more nervous, mm. and and that day was um, obviously because of the occasion, mm. and, and it's a, it's an honour to play on that day. Like obviously we, um, you know that, that that footy game, I suppose, is the way we can show our appreciation. Mm. Obviously, it's it's not a battle like the old diggers um, went through, but it's just the way to you know show appreciation and really
1: appreciate that day. Oh, I'll tell you yeah, what, mate. Absolutely. As supporters, um, you know, it's spine tingling. It's a shame to miss it this year, but... Ah, um... oh,
2: it's shocking. And Mick used to, um, you know, Mick was right into his history. And um, mate, some of his speeches, I literally, I reckon I cried, not cried, I have a tear running down my face three or four times, and uh, I reckon three of them were Anzac Day in um, one grand final. And so... Uh, he he built it up really well, you know, and we all we all learn about it, and he made anyone who come into the club learn about it. It was um
1: yeah great day. Speaking of Mick, uh, we've touched on him a little bit so far. Um, you were actually the only remaining player uh, from his first match in charge at Collingwood to play in the Premiership side. Do you feel like you were Mick's favourite? Um.
2: I probably I probably was with um, Licka and um, Tomo, I reckon. Uh-huh. But mate, we, we just got along really well, I was, and I was always honest with him. You know, I uh, think he appreciates that, and yeah, we we just got along well, and we we still do now. I like I love, I love sending him a message or giving him a call, and I would see see him at least you know once a year, especially when we catch up for the reunion. And it's just uh, just great to see him. He's a He's a really good guy, and um, I know a lot of lot of people have might have a different opinion, especially from opposition. But he's um, what what you've seen in the media is uh, nothing nothing like the man is.
1: Ben, you're a player who did some pre seasons in Victoria and some overseas. A lot gets made in that Premiership era of the trips to Arizona. And even the installation of the altitude room at the Lexus Center. Yeah. Did you feel that those things gave you a competitive advantage over other teams?
2: Um, yeah, I, I, I think I think we did. Um, I'm not sure if, like you know, they they have all their science science bullshit about altitude, but I think um, being being away together, um, being overseas, I think is an advantage, and anywhere overseas away from Australia where no one knows you. I think that's the advantage and you spend three weeks together. You work really hard. Um, That's the advantage. Um, Altitude, mind you, was a lot harder to train in without a doubt. So I reckon you got your fitness quicker, but when you come back, there's no advantage. Mm. Um, But being away together, no doubt, that's, that's, big advantage if, and if other clubs couldn't do that well you know bad luck
1: it's more about team cohesion then and maybe yeah, that's a right. club that didn't go overseas or ends up in Falls Creek potentially there's some kind of um, team disadvantage there
2: there you are Mount, Mount Humphreys they didn't do one iota for us because we, we friggin hated that
1: <laughs> I was gonna <laughs> ask
2: no it was tough <laughs> it was so shit it was it was so it was so cold it was windy it was, uh, oh, it was a horrendous man. Hated it.
1: Tell me, did Eddie McGuire scaling Mount Humphreys inspire the group or did it just increase everyone's risk of hypothermia?
2: <laughs> no, I mean, it, was it was actually really funny. So, yeah, even even some of these boys that were really fit, so, some players respond different to high altitude. Mm-hmm. Um, some blokes get headaches. Some, you know, throw up and, you know, lose their vision. Like, remember Mark Neal, he shit himself. (laughs) What? He was in in a bad way. Literally? Literally, (laughs) yeah, shit himself. He he wasn't in a good way. I I remember seeing Eddie, like, they went off first. And obviously, we we all walked, went past him. And um, I looked at him, and he he was really struggling. So the altitude, you know, affected him. And it was, you know, affected a lot of us. But obviously, we had a different fitness base. But when he when he did get to the top I thought, gee, he he's a he's a tough he's a tough guy, Eddie, because mate, halfway through that mountain he was cooked. And I reckon I honestly I, there wouldn't have been a lot of people in um his position, the way he was feeling would have made it.
1: Yeah, big ed.
2: So he's uh, it was it was it was very, very um it was very good. It was very impressive.
0: Ben, you were famously front and centre in some of the biggest moments uh, in a very famous fortnight of grand finals for the Pies. Speaking of Eddie, uh, he said in an interview last year that John Stevens, the frontman for Australian rock group Noiseworks, was the inspiration behind the 2010 flag. Uh, The performance was said to have settled your nerves, the players' group's nerves, uh, and was a contributing factor behind holding up the cup a week later. Is this truth or complete bullshit? He
2: did not say that.
1: <laughs> yes, he On did. Tri-
0: Triple M uh, in December. Uh, direct quote: John Stevens. So he played. He uh, played John, sh- don't,
2: don't, don't get me wrong. I don't mind John Stevens. He <laughs> seems like a really good bloke, but he has not one <laughs> iota in that Premiership.
0: Okay. Well, well he,
2: he might. He yeah. might have entertained me for twenty minutes while he was singing a song, but <laughs> that's about
0: it. So there was no, no settling of nerves.
2: Settling me nerves. <laughs> oh, please.
0: <laughs> um, oh just on the subject of grand finals so prior to 2010 you played in two losing grand finals. How, how did that impact your approach to um, to having another crack in uh, in 2010?
2: Um, oh, it may, it's a hard one to answer because you know o two o three, 203 but you basically I was basically a baby mm. um, different, completely different mindset, you know, you think at that age you just think, Ah, oh, it's gonna happen again, it's gonna happen again. Mm-hmm. So the hurt I had from two oh two, two oh three, mind you it hurts because I'm a competitive person, but nothing compares to 011. like you know, times out by a thousand mate. You know, um I think I think it's that age, the maturity. You know, you're more of a leader then you yeah. it's completely different. It's it's hard hard to answer but um it didn't... Basically, I didn't even think about it. Mm. I did, did, did not even think
1: about it. By the time you got to 2010, you're obviously a senior member of the group and yeah. you're obviously looking to really soak up as much of that week because you, you realise by that stage that it's, it's hard to get there. And you're on record, Ben, saying that uh, Grand Final Parade is your favourite day of the year. What is it about that magical moment, sharing it with fans, and that, is, that, uh, uh, is that really on record? <laughs> Actually, you're on record saying it's a bit of a pain in the ass. to be honest. It's good for the fans, but you sort of want to go train, go home, and get ready for the game.
2: Oh, good. I was going to say, what are you talking uh, about? I was going to say, who's to bullshit, that
1: So, Ben, you were pretty you were pretty keen to get on with it by the by the time it got to that stage of the week.
2: Yeah, exactly. It was, it was a pain in the arse. Uh, I'm sure it's good for the supporters and that's great, but. Like, you just want to, you know, forget about all that bullshit and play the game. I suppose um, the best thing about the draw was that next week, you know, we, it was normal. You just train, you had your normal preparation. And when um, I remember that meeting on the Tuesday after the draw, going into the um, team meeting, and as soon as we left, like literally thought, no, we're going to beat these guys by 10 goals. Mm. yeah we just knew, just like, just made a few little mistakes during the game where, you know, we should have been six goals up, but, you know, obviously we fixed them. And um,
1: we are just so confident going into that next week. And was part of that confidence based on Mick's strategy? Were you required to research the Roman Legion or Erwin Rommel's North African campaign in order to understand Malthouse's game plan?
2: No, mate, it was always pretty basic, to be honest. It was... Um, you know, I don't know. Yeah, you know, I know what you're saying. But when that's how he spoke to the media. Yeah, so he, that's okay. what I mean. It was completely different. So, he, you know, Mick, Mick didn't really care for the media all that much. So, and and mate, and mind you, they ask stupid questions. So they they get stupid <laughs> answers, and he, he was a genius at that.
1: So do you do you yeah. reckon that he's kind of that references he made, particularly after the winning. Grand Final about the kind of inspirations behind his strategy. Do you think that was more just a story he was telling for the sake of the public and the media?
2: Um, mate, I was about ten years in, so I had no <laughs> idea he was talking about.
1: Well, he talked about the Roman Legion, um, the box, yeah, the yeah. box formation, Erwin Rommel's uh, North African campaign, and
2: oh, well, the box formation. So, so I'll give you that the box formation
1: mm-hmm.
2: that that coming about. He, he always, like, even early days, you know, he sort, he sort of spoke about that pushing, you know, the wingers up and, or the wingers back and, you know, everyone just pushing up a level and so he, he basically just coached to how the game was being played and what we needed to do to win. Like, back then, it was more a defensive game and we are just lucky because as soon as we turn the ball over, we were offensive piece so. We, we had it all. We're the best defensive team, but we're also, you know, handy on the offence. Very
0: handy. Yeah. I'm going to, um, Ben, I'm just on the subject of the draw, because this is a fascinating topic for us, I'm going to read out a quote. Um, and I want to know if you know who said this um, recently and if you agree. Yeah. This is a quote. I think Mick Malthouse and Pendlebury, the only two people that were brave enough or silly enough to say if there was extra time, they would have won, which is a total lie because they were cooked. We knew at the time, out on the ground, if there was another ten seconds, we would have won. They were deers in the headlights. We were trying to win the game, taking risks and playing footy.
2: Oh uh, to me, that's that's uh, that sounds like should have, could have, would have bullshit. Um, they did. They obviously they had the momentum. It was clear to see, but mate, you have you have another break, and you are reset. Well, that the some changes. So, so I don't care who said that. They're obviously, well, they can say whatever they want. It's their opinion, but that's all bullshit because, you know, that didn't happen anyway. So who cares?
1: <laughs> well, we can tell you it was Brendan Goddard and it was about a week ago. Uh oh, Brendan Goddard. Oh,
2: well, there you go. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he's just a
0: shook. Fair enough.
2: I don't know. I don't, well, mate. It's like, it's like me going. 11, um, You know, we're the best team all year. You know, we should have beaten Geelong. Oh well, if we didn't have, you know, a few injuries, we didn't have a few sore boys, we would have won. Well, guess what? We, we did have a few sore boys, and we didn't win. And they were the best team. So bad luck. I don't know why any anyone would anyone would, you know, even talk about it and make make an excuse about it because, you know, where was the momentum a week later? No, we're out. There are
1: exactly well punctuated. <laughs> On a lighter note, Ben, during the grand final draw, were you aware that Mick Malthouse was wearing his sunglasses at the three-quarter time huddle, and did it put you off?
2: Didn't even know. No idea.
1: <laughs> well, it's, <laughs> it's, I think we're looking a little too closely at these games.
2: <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I had no idea. No.
1: Um, do you ever watch those games back? Never. Never?
2: No, I've never watched one. Why is that? I don't know. I reckon I will. When me boys get a little bit older, I reckon we'll sit down and have a watch. I don't know, mate. I just uh, never have. No no reason. Uh, just haven't. I'm sure I will one day.
1: On the uh, drawn Grand Final, um, you had some legendary stashes with one Stephen Milne. Yeah. Ross Lyon said recently that Milne deserved to be judged as one of the great small forwards of the century, at least equal to Eddie Betts, and the stats seemed to back him up. What was it that made Milne unique to play on, from your point of view? Um, I, well,
2: obviously he was very zippy, and he, and he didn't really miss. Um, it's I, I played a little bit under-18s against him as well. Um, he... And I played on him from the early days, and I've, I've done well on him mm. from the start, and that's why Mick always put me on him. And um, we had some good battles. It's uh, I know I know people have a, a, especially Collingwood people have a pretty shitty opinion of Milne, but um, he's a, he's actually a really good guy.
0: Mm.
2: You know, on the field he's an ass, but you know I, I've I've seen him quite a few times off the field. And yeah, you know, he's, he's a he's a pretty good guy. So uh, if he's, it's just you know, he's one of them guys that people like to hate, but if you actually like have a chat to him, he's, he's a he's a pretty good guy.
1: And one of those guys that you kind of want on your side, um, and you would love him if he's on your side. But you know, he's an
2: oh ag- mate, he, he, like you talk about his record. He, he's a freak. But like, in, in that, that's a, probably the hardest position I think in AFL. Uh, small forward, like, because they don't get many opportunities, and um, when they get them, they have to take them. And it's uh, he, he's he's a good player, really good. I, I, think, I think he's got a fair point there, Ross
1: Good. Well, take us through this moment one more time, Ben. I'm sure you get asked about it a fair bit.
0: It's a rolling huddle for St Kilda and Collingwood Milne,
1: and Ben Johnson right down in the forward square for uh, St Kilda. Goddard the target. Oh, Here we go. Wait, wait. He's, he's belting the ball forward. Johnson quickly off the mark. Milne, at best. Ball bouncing. Oh, oh. Scores a level. Oh no. oh, no. What are you doing next week? Do you take the ball there, Stephen Milne? I think he was going to try and take it. It just bounced out of his reach. So Johnson belts it as far as he can. The ball's coming in deep and you're one out with Milne in the Ford 50. Yeah. Very very late in the game, when you see the ball on the way, what do you what's going through your mind, and what what are you trying to do to prepare best to win that contest? Well,
2: you'd never you'd never think like everyone talks about you know the second bounce, but the first bounce was a hundred times worse than the second bounce. But the ball just come in and just basically bounced like straight up and over our head. You know, ninety nine times out of hundred that that would go out to bounce that ball. Um, And I know on camera, it looks like Mewney could have got there, but in real time right there, and lucky for me, he, he couldn't have. I, you know, he probably tops a bit of flack for that, but he, he couldn't have got there. I'm not sure what he said about it, but even if he went straight forward, I don't think he would have got there. And I think Goldie was streaming down anyway.
1: Because you basically had um, front spot. Jono, and it basically bounced back over your head.
2: Yeah, it was bad. The first bounce was really bad. And um, and because it was that bad, I was out of position, and he just gave me a little, little shove, and I lost lost my feet. And thank God for me, mate, that um, there was two shit bounces in that.
1: Was there a little moment there where you thought maybe, um, you know, he was about to win the premiership for St Kilda? Nah, nah.
2: As I said, he, he couldn't have got there. Mm-hmm. Maybe for like a split second when it went over my head And I lost my footing I was like, oh shit, I don't know what's
0: going to happen here Well,
1: I'll tell you what Thank God it bounced the way it did, twice <laughs> Yeah, exactly right Exactly
0: Now fast forward a week to the replay And you finally get your wish, Ben No grand final parade um, yeah. <laughs> but, but one thing that did come up So you were drafted together and remained close with Leon Um, throughout your career. How difficult was it to see him in and out of the side in those big games, particularly the lead-up to the replay?
2: Um, Yeah, devastating, to be honest. Me me and Leon are very close. Um, You know, we started together, me, him, and Rick Shaw, you know, we're still great mates now. Um, It it was sad. It really was. And I was Mm -hmm. was also sad for, um, you know, Tarkin Lockyer. I thought... You know, he he could have been there as well. Um, sad for Shane O'Brien. You know, these these guys like that. Um, yeah, it's it's shit. But you know, you got to. Um, you're a professional athlete, so you just got to not think about it. To be honest,
1: Mix on record saying that if he had have known it would be a walkover in that replay, then Leon might have played.
2: Yeah, I mean, he should have played anyway. That's just, that's my opinion. Um, it's a lot, it's a lot different. It's easier to look back on and say, you know, we could have done this, we could have done that. It's like Goddard saying, you know, Mm -hmm. we had all the momentum, we would have won. Like, fucking give me a spell. Mm -hmm. It's, uh, it's easier to look back on it now, but in that time, you know, Leon's form wasn't great. You know, Mick went with Goldie and, you know, Goldie was good, young kid. Um, I was disappointed for Leon because I love the guy. He's um he's a superstar. He's a great bloke, and uh, I I, and I wish he had been out there, but um you know he wasn't, and that's it. Bad luck.
0: That's footy. Now, we'll, we're gonna we're we're rounding the final um the final bend here, Ben. Um, there's just a couple of a couple more things we want to touch on, and I we don't we're not going to go through the replay, but we were interested to know was there a moment in the game. Where you either acknowledged to a teammate that you'd won or received acknowledgement from someone was there a moment where you you guys knew
2: ah oh, mate huh, huh, yeah 100 percent I think um, I think I don't know they kicked the point or whatever and I and I was smiling at the crowd and giving them a bit of a like fist pump. I, I think you know that um, and I got a me- I remember getting a message um, from Mick from the runner saying, don't fucking start celebrating yet, <laughs> like something, something like that. <laughs> uh, it was funny because, uh, mate, it was, uh, some of mate, some of the messages that I've got off me, oh my god, they're actually really funny. And um, and obviously you're with the runners every week, and they're in the team meetings and stuff. And I was I was close to a lot of the guys. And there'd be so many times I'd say, "Go tell me to get
0: fucked,"
2: <laughs> you know, and knowing knowing they they won't even go back and say that. So you know, just have a bit of a laugh, and um, that that was one of them times.
0: I imagine you would have got some uh, not so funny ones as well from Mick over the years. <laughs> oh mate, well, I could tell you some rippers. Yeah, uh, uh, what's 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 a
2: couple? Uh, he said there was a guy in the year um, squad. I won't say his name, but he goes get. Johnson off and I don't give a fuck put that other bloke in that cheer squad that fat guy on right now because he's shit <laughs> shit like that Yeah, you know, telling me I was um, I play like um, you know a million bucks but I'm playing like five cents and shit like that and, uh, mate he, he was really funny Like some of the stuff I can't really say but even after a game mate sometimes I had to pull my jumper up over my head because I was just yeah, he made me laugh. He was
0: funny. Yeah, wicked sense of humour. Oh mate, it was great. Let's talk about the uh, the most exciting part—the party afterwards. So, take us take us through the days and weeks in the aftermath of uh, the premiership. What was the party like, and how does it compare to a uh, lavish Alex Weislet's ball?
2: <laughs> um, well, the, I suppose the worst part about winning—you know—a week later. You know, you have to change all your flights. So me and Sonny were booked to go to Vegas. I would have loved to have had a um, a whole week in Melbourne. But because we had to change flights and stuff, we left on the Tuesday. Mm. So, right. oh, mate, you, you, you can imagine, can you? Like, this is, I suppose, <laughs> the, the best part of that night, you, you go to the function, you got your family there. So my mum and dad, my sisters, um, you know, a few friends. And you just have a great time with them. And you know, it gets to about four o'clock, and then you go elsewhere. And um, ah mate, good times, really good times. It didn't didn't really finish until no, I suppose it didn't finish. So I went straight to Vegas. <laughs> Still going. <laughs> yeah, basically.
0: It's it's got me wondering. So uh, what are, what are like the unexpected perks, if any, of being a premiership pie? Um, do you get free beers at pubs, nightclubs? Do You get um, flight upgrades. Free upsized meals, hotel room upgrades, brown paper envelopes from the club. What, what's the worth oh, of being well, a Collingwood Premiership player?
2: Oh, I, th- I think, I, mean, I think this goes for any like footy players. You, you meet a lot of people over, over the journey, um, and you know you, you get. There's a lot of perks. So especially back then, I'm oh, not so much 0 but you know you drink cards and you get into nightclubs. No lineup. You get spots. You get lounges. You get.
1: Man, any player can do that if they know the right people. We happen to be out all the time, so we knew the right people. Ben, you've got um, a team photo on the MCG turf in the aftermath of the premiership. The cups there.
2: Best photo, best photo ever. Best moment, like honestly. And so we we got in a circle, and you know the cup was in the middle. We sang the song, and then every individual had something to say. Everyone had their little moment, had something to say amazing like one of the best memories of all time and I, I love that photo love it Mate, that's that's my favorite that was amazing amazing probably my favorite moment of the night
0: well it sounds like a, a pretty good spot to leave it Ben um we want to thank you so much for coming on um sharing your experiences with us um mm. having a laugh being good fun and um we wish you all the best with your uh future endeavors. Um Thanks, hope, hopefully see you around. Stay connected with the club and um hopefully you right. guys get a reunion this year. It's not looking too likely. No, but, no, um,
2: no, we we've we've stacked it. So we're, we're gonna we're gonna do it um next year. So this year's plan we're gonna have the Friday night. We're gonna go to the game. Saturday night function for everyone at Crane, like all the supporters, and then um we're gonna do a nice
1: quiet Sunday sesh just ourselves. And
2: the 1990 team are going to be involved as well, which is great.
1: Amazing. You get the 991 team there as well. That famous year, your ANZAC medalist. <laughs>
2: yeah. We'll get them in. Yeah, why not?
1: Well, it's a free for all. A um, lot of love down at Collingwood. A lot of love for this this gentleman of the club. Thanks so much for joining us, Ben. And good luck with all your endeavours. No worries, boys. Thanks. Thanks, mate. See
0: you. Bye.
1: Wow, and that was Ben Johnson live on Pie Hard.
0: <laughs> I really want to know what that ex-players group chat is called.
1: Yeah, I didn't know whether he he was reluctant to tell us the name of the group because he thought people could look it up and like break into it online or whether <laughs> it was because the name <laughs> itself was incriminating.
0: I think it might be the latter. What uh, a guy. What a guy. He didn't disappoint.
1: Just talking to him, you get that feeling that he's just... He's no bullshit. Um, He'll give it to you straight. And you can see why he's such a popular premiership pie.
0: I feel like having a beer with him and uh, a skirmish out the front of the uh, Lower Plenty Hotel.
1: (laughs) Well, there was a number of bombshells, Um, not least of all Mark Neal shitting himself on the slopes of Mount (laughs) (laughs) Humphreys.
0: Literally confirmed on Pie Hard, finally, an exclusive... (laughs) (laughs)
1: <laughs> the first genuine Pie Hard exclusive. The other thing I loved was his revelation that Nick Maxwell might be taking over the the GM role at yeah. the Pies. Yeah, which yeah, makes yeah. a whole lot of sense. Um with his obviously his pedigree as a captain. But I loved how invested Ben was in in Maxi. Um sometimes on Pie Hard we're a bit harsh on Nick Maxwell, but the way Ben spoke about him was just in glowing terms, as just the just the leader they needed, the the right man for the job at the right time.
0: Yeah, I think he said that um, when he was out, even if he wasn't playing well, you just you you played with extra confidence. You knew he was going to do everything, and I think you know that we know, looking back now at Nick Maxwell, that he did give everything on on the field of play, and yeah, very interesting that. He also sees very a lot of similarities between Maxwell and and Malthouse, mm. um, but a career in the uh, in the boardroom, the upper echelons, eyes wide shut, beckons.
1: He seemed to have a, a a serious amount of intel on some of the inner workings, and I wonder what kind of information changes hands at those presidents' luncheons. Mm. Yes,
0: yes. Well, I mean, sitting where he sits, he's only a um. A couple of crown lagers away from Eddie Maguire, so obviously overhearing the the more juicier details. But, look, you're a premiership pie. You're connected with the club. You're going to get all of that information. Sounds like they're still pretty tight. Um, But, yeah, it's just a a really fascinating interview.
1: Isn't it great to hear how connected he is with the club still, goes to the games? I mean, some some, uh, players seem to kind of fall out of love with the game, as they kind of venture into the professional uh, pressure cooker that is AFL football. But Ben Johnson, it's like he's still a fan, like he was when he was a kid.
0: Very interesting that, you know, yourself as a man who will watch a a replay of a round three clash with Gold Coast twice, that Ben Johnson has never watched um, any of those finals.
1: Mm, Yeah, very surprising. But on the other hand, he he does strike me as a very humble man. Ben Johnson, you know, the boy from Preston never got ahead of himself. And I think in the end of the day, he just loved playing footy with his mates.
0: And I think that's what makes Ben Johnson the favourite of the Rat Pack and the favourite of the Collingwood teams of that era. He mm. um, just speaks with so much honesty, um, was was happy to kind of take us and, and give us a little bit of insight Give us a few nuggets that we could work with there. And, yeah, we're just really, really happy that, um, that Ben gave our time and we hope you enjoyed
1: it. Can't wait for his autobiography to come out with that other 95% of Rat Pack shenanigans. It's going to be an incendiary uh, selling point, um, possibly a legally complicated one. <laughs>
0: <laughs> if you like what you heard today, you can follow us on Instagram and Twitter, at Pie Hard Podcast. Uh, let us know what you think of the pod. For all your commercial cleaning requirements, it's Keats Cleaning Services. That's Keats with a K. Mention Pie Hard, and I'm sure Ben will look after you. Uh, we're going to be back soon with some more Pie Hard uh, to keep you guys humming until the season gets back on track, which hopefully is not too far away.
1: Alex, great to be with you today. Great to be here, Demo. This is Pie Hard.